Whoa! Welcome to a special Halloween musical osmosis where disturbingly dark thoughts meets insanely haunted reality. I am your super spooky host, Nick, the psychotic one? Katsouris, hailing from the haunted mountain here in Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my drum destroying co host, Mr. Odell, <laughs> Norman Bates. <laughs> Norman Bates. <laughs> hey, when you, when you said psychotic and you sort of said it in a in a questionable way, that that would make you psychotic. <laughs> well, at least I'm staying consistent, right? There you go. Happy How's Halloween, everybody? sir. Yes, brother. How, you too. You too. Can you believe it? We've made it to another Halloween. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? What is this? The fourth one? Yeah, every day is kind of Halloween yeah, under Trump. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> We've survived. We <laughs> have survived. And look, it's like another season sh- of Walking Dead. <laughs> We've or, made it to the next one. <laughs> I'd see it more as like a really shitty um, Saw or Hellraiser sequel. It is like Hellraiser. Oh, God. 19. Leprechaun in Space. Yeah. We're now at Leprechaun in Space, like garbage level for plot lines. Oh, here. gosh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> D, are you back there lurking in the shadows? We all float down here. <laughs> One of your favorite <laughs> holidays? Yes. It's all about the Halloween and Christmas. And I know that sounds crazy, but dude, my birthday is literally a holiday. And I would rather celebrate Halloween or Christmas. I love them so much. I share your sentiment. Oh, um, by the way, guys, if everyone, I'm sure, loved the intro music, that was by our lovely and brilliant friend, Erica Mulkey, a.k.a. Unwoman. And I know you yeah. dug the song, D, because it was a remake of, I always thought it was called the Vampire Song, but you told me yes. the actual technical name is Bloodletting by Connie. Yes, Con. it is Bloodletting, uh, in, in parentheses, the Vampire Song with a Y, I believe. Um, yeah, I love that song. It's it's one of the songs that reminds me of New Orleans and karaoke and all the things that just it, it screams summer. So, yeah, it, I love that song. It's so what great. everybody needs to do is hop on over to Bandcamp, check out mm-hmm. Unwoman, Untitled Scary EP number one, because here's what's crazy. We were talking about this on the show. Um, I don't know if you remember, Adele, a few months ago, she said she was going to redo a typo negative song. But I had no yeah, idea yeah. she was going to tie it into a Halloween album. And there's some great tunes on here. I really, oh really um, suggest everybody on hop on over to Erica's Bandcamp. Well, and not just yeah, that, my- but they need to hurry because right now it's on sale for a dollar. But after yep. November 1st, that will change. So you got to hurry and go get it now. Go get it now or you're a fool of the highest caliber, yes. as our friend Andy Dorsey <laughs> would say. Don't be a fool. <laughs> All right, are we ready yeah, to get things rocking favorite. and rolling? Because we have got a huge um, – I know you guys are, have got to want to kick my ass. I keep doing these two-hour – scheduling these two-hour episodes. But there's just so many <laughs> awesome people to talk to. I didn't 
righty, tonight's first guest is the manager of the time-traveling apocalyptic drive-through metal band, Max Sabbath, master showman and custodian of Controlled Chaos, our pal Mike Odd. Mike, happy Halloween. Yes. Yeah, hey, Mike. Best introduction, I've, best introduction I've ever had. That was That was nailing it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I was saying, I, I, anytime you need a flavor flay, a hype man, let me know. I'll get on the internet and hype you up. You got that big clock? Oh, I could get my hands on one, except it would be a cuckoo clock. Oh, that, I like that a lot. I want cuckoo clock playing. Hey, so let me ask you something idea. before we dig into the band, because last time you were on, we talked so, like, just in-depthly about the band, but we didn't talk about you what were you doing before you got that famous call to meet Ronald Osborne? What were you doing back before Max Sabbath, before managing those guys? Well, um, when I got that call and all that, I was running a, an oddities uh, kind of freak show museum place in East Hollywood called the Rosemary's Billy Goat Auditorium. So uh, that was my brick and mortar uh, version of uh, Mike Odd Madness. And, uh, and, you know, that, that uh, place was a tribute to the band that I sing for that I've been in for almost 30 years now, Rosemary's Billy Goat. And so, uh, yeah, I have my own kind of crazy uh, rock and roll band that I've been doing forever and a day. And, uh, and then I'm also an oddities collector. I no longer have that space open, but um, uh, still collecting and, uh, and uh, staying weird. And uh, now, when, when it closed down, uh, my my home became a lot more uh, uh, visually pleasing. Uh, you were reading my mind. I was going to ask you what happened to all the oddities. I thought maybe you just started yeah. traveling the country like P.T. Barnum with them. Yeah, I have an uh, 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 actual human skeleton from the 1800s in my living room and and, and, you know, just all this, all this kind of crazy stuff that ended up packed into my house, uh, which uh, it happens when you unexpectedly close down a, a, a an auditorium, as it were. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so now I'm kind of surrounded with all this. Um, well, what was the um, reason um, for the auditorium closing? Well. <laughs> was it all of a sudden? Um, you know, it, uh, well, I had a suspicion that when my lease was up, that there was going to be a problem because the property had changed hands and it was in pretty hip part of town placed, placed on Sunset Boulevard, right in between um, Los Feliz and Silver Lake. And if you don't know those neighborhoods, and it's like kind of like the hippest part of Hollywood. And somehow when I got in there, it was just kind of falling apart and, and, you know, there's just kind of this old, older Chinese gentleman. Um, and, 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 you know, so the rent was actually low, surprisingly low for the area that it was. And when the, when the three years was up, they wanted to triple the rent. And I, uh, I, I was, I was barely making it and not always making the rent as it was. <laughs> That's the thing about, you know, uh, Carney and Sideshow and Oddities. It's all wonderful labor of love, but it's notorious for not paying the bills. Now, I can imagine. <laughs> with 
<laughs> with your band, which I was fucking blown away when I watched some of those YouTube videos because I dug in a little bit deeper this time around and kind of, you know, put my cast my net out, not just focused on the band, what uh-huh. you were doing as well. And how are you balancing Rosemary's Billy Goat with Max Sabbath? I imagine Max Sabbath are pretty demanding guys. They seem like they might have a little bit of an authoritarian streak in them. Max yeah, Max, Max Sabbath is a full-time job for me. Um, Rosemary and Billy Goat has been around a long, long time, and we do we do basically about a few shows a year now, all in Southern California. So um, I kind of I kind of uh, think of it like Disneyland. If you want to see it, you got to come to Southern California. You know what I mean? It's not uh, <laughs> you can't. Uh, you know, if you live in Palatine, Illinois, you can't wait around uh, in your ho- in your hometown waiting for us. You know, you know, it sounds like it has to happen. <laughs> we need a tour of Rosemary's Billy Goat. I'll come out and be your hype man, and you can bring your oddities like a traveling P.T. Barnum show and just freak out America. <laughs> yeah, there's not really time for that uh, uh, in the schedule at this point in time, but uh, someday, maybe when we're all, you know, in our 90s. All right, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll touch base with you again when I'm 80. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your robot will do it, but either way, my robots will call your robots, and they can do uh, oil lunch. There you go. Yeah, everything will be worked out by robots in the future. Hey, speaking of the future, everybody knows the Max Sabbath story by now, that those guys have come from the future. Their origin stories, they traveled back here to warn us about the evils of fast food. Now that Max Sabbath has been at it for six years, how does the man feel? Does Ronald feel like he's accomplishing his mission at all? Um, Have we averted the fast food apocalypse? Well, um, you know, uh, fast. I think that there is a there's definitely a temporary trend of fast food, uh, you know, becoming a little a little more palatable uh, and uh, a little more and having vegetarian options and stuff with with a uh, you know Impossible and Beyond getting involved, which I think is a is a really neat thing that's happening. And I and I'd like to to give the band a full uh, uh, take full responsibility. Uh, for that, <laughs> but I don't think we're through the woods, and you know, it's still you have to remember that it is still fast food, and even the buns that 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 that, that um, in which case you know we're beyond is a non-GMO vegetarian product. Even the buns that are housing that product are still pretty scary. Poison. Well, yeah, it's funny yeah. you say that because I was going to bring up my theory. I think the only reason we have it beyond Burger Impossible or all that stuff is because Ronald and the boys came back here and disrupted the space-time continuum, and it actually started making those changes. I think if Ronald and Max Sabbath weren't here, we wouldn't have the Impossible Burger. Uh, 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 I'm going to agree with you on that. <laughs> what do you think, Odell? <laughs> have they totally treehouse of horrors disrupted the space-time continuum? I think so. I do. I I truly I truly believe that. Just even the if, if, I mean, what 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 does like Max Sabbath think of just the the quote unquote healthier fast food places? So like your Chipotle's or your Panera's Lovely. or those type of places. Yeah, those type of places. 
You're talking about uh, Pantera bread and uh, Chipotle guns? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, definitely. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, enemies of Max Sabbath. <laughs> or is it a covert operation? Well, you, <laughs> you, know, you know how Ronald feels about Burger King Diamond and the rest of those guys. He's, he's, he gets a little bit threatened and sensitive. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to comment on that. Well, speaking of threat and sensitive, I got to talk to you about the big thing that's been all over my fucking Facebook for the last month, the Joker movie. And when I was watching that famous scene everyone's flipping out about to the Gary Glitter song with a Joker dancing down the steps in the Bronx, is Ronald pissed off they didn't use Max Sabbath music and they used Gary Glitter? Man, I thought I was the only one. It's so good to hear that somebody else <laughs> Why was Max Sabbath not on the Joker soundtrack? It seems so obvious. There, there, there was a lot of Max Sabbath stuff in the Joker movie, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think a jo- the Joker's was, a poser compared to Ronald. You could pass that along. Nobody was somewhere taking down some notes, but hey, you know, that's how it goes. I guess art imitates life. That's art, but I don't know. It's bizarre <laughs> for sure, right, Odell? Did you see the Joker movie, Odell? No, I'm actually going to. I got to. Oh no, no, I'm going to see it uh, on uh, right after uh, I'm off on Veterans Day, so I'll do a. Uh, you know, all right, I'm gonna step out from the the wife and kids for a bit and go and check it out. <laughs> Well, how how old are the kids? <laughs> oh, uh, ten, yeah, ten, uh, six, and four. So my son keeps screaming. Oh, I'm like, no, you, buddy. no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, no, you, no, this isn't the Joker that you're thinking about. Nope. <laughs> this, this, was, uh, this, this was truly one of the the most disturbing movies I've seen in a really long time. Uh, it really That's goes what, in yeah. the pocket with uh with uh um hereditary and uh, um, some of the most one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen uh, and you know maybe maybe it's because I just related to it a little too much did you go <laughs> see it with Ronald <laughs> oh no that's never gonna happen <laughs> he would have got way too high right Hey, here's the thing about the Joker movie. There were so many outrages by so many groups of people. The people were pissed about the Gary Glitter song, incels who thought the movie was about, like, Trump supporters, um, people with mental illnesses or who are friends and family of people with mental illnesses thought the movie was insensitive. And I was like, is this what it's going to be now? Like, it used to be everything just had – it used to be we weren't outraged about everything. But then we were out – we had an outrage for everything. But if there's a new trend, we're going to have 10 fucking outrages for everything. Everything that happens, there's going to be 10 different outrages. Well, Are we up in the ante? If you're going to do something interesting, then you're probably going to stir some stuff up. You know, and if you're not exactly. stirring stuff up, then, you know, and then that means that people don't really care. And then if people don't really care, it's not going to make a big impression, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, you know, upset about Max Sabbath, too. I mean, the the first major press that Max Sabbath ever got was, was Fox news. And believe me, they were not. Wow. Max <laughs> no, I, I, that, that's, I, that's a shock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for Fox news, I would not have this full-time job. I don't think, you know what I mean? Because that caused, you know, MTV to take notice and then black Sabbath to take notice. You know I mean? That was the, 
that was the order in that in which how that went. So if you're not stirring stuff up and making people, you know, upset and, you know, then you're, you know, you're, you might not be making much of a mark. I mean, in, in this business anyway, uh, you know, negative press is. There, there, it, it's more true than ever that there is no such thing than bad is bad press. For well, a lot I also of reasons, think it's kind of I think it's kind of poetic that as Ronald and Max Savitz is trying to avert the dystopian fast food future, they're getting the spark, the catalyst to that is Fox News, which in my opinion is just right wing propaganda. So it's very apropos that that Fox News was the spark to set off Ronald on exactly. his journey. To, defo- to kind of divert this dystopian fast food future. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's how it works. I mean, if it, 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 you know, you have to when you really don't like something and you want to you want to make a big deal out of it, you got to stop and think about how much attention you're giving it and how much press it's causing. It's a delicate balance, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know, not saying um, I'm against protests, but things are getting weird. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, it's it's teetering, man. It is really teetering. Yeah. I know. Um. Yeah. Hey, Mike. I know. A, a few weeks ago, I went and saw um uh Guar, and um I know uh-huh. with their whole state, with their stage set up and everything, and the time, even the guys that are on the stage working with them as they're bringing different things out and doing that. And I know in relation to you guys, you, you have a very um, extreme like setup as well. How, how much, how much uh, time does that take in between the songs and the seconds? The whole time I'm watching this and I'm absolutely amazed by the guys that are just bringing stuff out and taking stuff off and setting up the props and bringing stuff out and, and all that. So I know yeah. for you, yeah. how, how intense is that? Well, it tends to be, um, let's put it this way, it tends to be, it can be a 14-hour day very easily of, of wow. everything. And that and that doesn't include driving to the next state. So, you know, because it's usually, if it's not in the, you know, when you've got to drive to the next city, half the time that city is in another state. You know what I mean? So you usually do one or two cities in a state in a tour. The last tour was, you know, 37 dates. I don't know how many states, but that's all. If, you, if you have a 10 to 14 hour day, depending on everything, and then you add in the driving, you can imagine how much sleep is involved. Um, so uh, not a lot of days off. Uh, usually the days off are, are, are the real long drives. Sometimes the real long drives are not on days off. So those cats are dedicated like yeah when people are like oh come party and you know come 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 by my radio station and do you know it's like it's like no there's negative hours in the day (laughs) i'm sorry if we can't make it to the party and the bar and the you know it's a it's a lot of work it's a lot it's a lot of work being that goofy And here's something else interesting, too. I did a little bit of research, and I found out that Black Sabbath has had over 30 members, and they've they've been around for about 30 years, 40 years. God, almost 40 years. Black Sabbath's been around six, but still has those same four members. I imagine (laughs) there's not a lot of room for them to do side projects because they're from the future, or even date, right? I mean, Ronald doesn't want to fuck around and become his own (laughs) grandpa. 
So, I mean, those guys are have got to be kind of isolated, right? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, that's not the uh, exact word that I would use, but sure, we'd go with isolated. <laughs> <laughs> Incarcerated? <laughs> well, the cat bird. Stop me when I hit gold here, Mike. <laughs> You know, the cat burglar, you know, call call him Butter because he's on parole. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I looked at that and I was like, damn, they're from the future. There's no way any of them could quit the band. What are they going to do if they quit the band? <laughs> Go dig ditches? Go work well, at Walmart? They have nothing to do. They've got to stay in that uh, band. They are that invested. Uh, so my hat's off to their uh, dedication. All, all errors are fixed with time machines, apparently, because, you know... Uh, <laughs> You would really think this thing would have gone wrong by now, but it probably has, and then they've just gone back and fixed it, you know. Oh, so we might be be going in the the right direction. So if you fuck this interview up already like six times, Ronald might already reset it. (laughs) Yeah, you never know. You have to. This is going to be a great episode, dude. Ask uh, Mr. Meesings or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Black Sabbath, I saw this incredible video. Ronald actually met Ozzy. Did Ozzy live up to Ronald's expectations? Yeah, yeah they hit it off well. It's you know um, it, that whole thing was done beyond my behind my back because Ronald likes to mess with me like that and not not tell me very important things and keep me in the dark and, and and then do his little clown chuckle behind my back. That's part of his, our relationship and his uh, amusement uh, with uh, what goes on uh, with the management skills around here. So, uh, uh, but yeah, everybody goes, well, what was it like when you met Ozzy Osbourne? I'm like, well, I wish that I can tell you. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I fell yeah, for you, Mike. Uh, oh, by the way, not for but, nothing, uh, I just started this because I'm looking at the postcard. I have the Max Sabbath postcard hanging up over my workspace right here and a T-shirt and coloring book. Is that going to get me any brownie points when the fast food apocalypse comes? Am I on the A-list? <laughs> I think you'll be first in line for something. I'm just not sure what. <laughs> right, well, I'll bring my cuckoo clock the apocalypse <laughs> i'll be the apocalyptic I, uh, flavorfully I, hype. Love, I love picturing you with a big cuckoo clock hanging around your neck that's really that's really <laughs> making me happy yeah i could be like you know what time it is cuckoo cuckoo i can picture it all now that's, oh, it's actually how i want to go out if i could go on stage and do that and then die i've completed my mission on planet earth you're good i'm there <laughs> All right, we got to start wrapping this up, Mike, but we're asking everybody since it's Halloween to share one ghost story. Do you have a ghost story you can share with us? I'm going to be honest here and tell you that the only time that I ever saw a ghost, um, I, I, when I moved in the house that, I, that I'm in now, the people who moved out had a cat. And, um, and, and, that, and they moved out, and that cat started... Um, just i i don't know if they left i don't think they left him but i think the cat somehow found its way back to the house and the cat was really connected to back. the house oh wow I, I, the cat was super super connected to the house i can tell you the way that the house smelled when it when i moved into it that boy was that cat connected to this house because that took a while to get rid of 
Steve and cleaning the carpets. <laughs> there weren't even carpets, and yeah, that <laughs> took a while. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so this cat was would just be hanging out outside all the time, and I would just see him. Well, uh, and, and and years went by, and one night I was it was late at night, and I was uh, sitting on my couch, and uh, I think I was you know probably watching a movie or something, and out of the corner of my eye. I saw this cat walk across the my my the floor of my uh, living room, but he was kind of like it was kind of like a gray, like all one color, like you know what I mean, like uh, you know how I'm what I'm describing here. See-through. And then when my eyes really focused on it. It just disappeared. So it was translucent. So, yeah. It became, as I focused on it, it became more and more translucent to my to my memory. Um, and then it just sort of disappeared. So that cat must have uh, passed on to the nether region and is probably still hanging out in my house. Well, hopefully when you go on the road, you won't see the cat in like a raincoat and a little rain hat, like in the crowd where you just out of looking all yeah, looking across at you. <laughs> now that I mentioned it, Mike's oh, always going to see that. So, so I'm sorry if it wasn't spookier, but my only cat story, my only ghost story is a cat. No, um, that's awesome, that's, man. Hey, that's great. Yeah, I went authentic. I didn't want you to come here and make some shit up, so I'm glad. No matter what the story yeah. is, it's an authentic story. That's what yeah. makes Halloween fun. All right, well, we got to get out of here, Mike. Maybe, I want to thank you maybe, for... maybe it has something to do with the cat burglar. I don't know. <laughs> hey. Good omen, mayhaps? <laughs> we will find out. All right, Mike, tell everybody where we can find Max Sabbath on the interwebs. Oh, yeah, all the normal places. You know, you can go to uh, officialmaxsabbath.com or you can, you know, if you look up Max Sabbath on uh, Max Sabbath on Facebook, I think it's official Max Sabbath on Instagram and on Twitter. I don't know. It's some kind of Max Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a hard thing to find online. No. Yeah. It's either- <laughs> It's either Max Sabbath or some kid got there before I did, and it's official Max Sabbath. Either way, you're, you're, you gotta, you'll figure it out. Right on. <laughs> All right, Mike, you have an awesome Halloween, and thanks so much. Yes, for Mike, thanks, bro. With us. All right, great talking to you guys. Happy Halloween. You too. Hey, you too, man.
Our next two guests are from the long-standing Texas cowpunk band, the Hickoids. Sarcastic, bombastic, and irreverent. The Hickoids are everything an underground um, punk band should be. So let's welcome the founding member, Jeff Smith, and the guitarist, Tom, I hope I don't butcher his name, Trusnovsky? Trusnovsk? How do you say your last name, Tom? I know I'm talking about it. Trubroni. Trubroni. That was pretty close, that. Chabroni of the Hickoids. Ha-ha. Hey, guys. Happy Halloween. Hello. Hello. Ha- happy Halloween. And Tom, yes. uh, you're on a work break or something, right? So I thank you for calling in. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm goofing off at work. Hiding out <laughs> in the storage room? Hiding out like in a stock room or something? I, I am actually in a stock room, yeah, yeah. Did you hang gone fishing on the front of um, wherever you're working? Be back in five minutes. He's taking a break from customer depreciation day at the liquor store there. Uh, (laughs) You don't want to close down a liquor store. I'm genuinely disappointed that I'm not talking from a turlet stall right now. But, you know, you can't win them all. Dream big, Tom. Dream big. Hey, what do you guys um, have going on for Halloween? You guys are such a fun, fun, interactive band. Are you guys playing a show on Thursday? We are. We're yeah. playing in San Antonio at uh, the, the Lonesome Rose with uh, the Sons of Hercules and the Bleeding Mummies. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Right on. You guys like doing um, shows on Halloween, or would you rather have Halloween to yourselves to go out and raise your own kind of hell and mayhem? Well, I mean, it's um, just another, you know, I, I, I barbecue bivins so often, you know. I mean, you know, it's not really that out of the ordinary. <laughs> right on. Jeff, you big on playing shows on Halloween? Uh, we've had some fun on Halloween before. Uh, I remember one year we were the butthole surfers for Halloween. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> we uh, were playing at the Cannibal Club in, in Austin. This was 1987 or 88, I want to say. And uh, anyway, so we opened with uh, Frankenstein, you know, by the Edgar Winter Group. Yeah. And um, instead of the keyboard part, we had I had a gas powered leaf blower, and uh, and for like the wow part, and uh, and so uh, we had a couple of corn dancers in uh, chicken wire cages, that and we were pretty poor at the time. We could only afford <laughs> like a like a a yard of chicken wire per dancer, so the cages cages were pretty tight around the girls. Well, yeah, I'm interested to know what kind of dancers you had if you were that poor. <laughs> well, they were the ones that were paying our rent, actually. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but the one girl, she had on this mini skirt, and I discovered that she didn't have any panties on when I gun the, the leaf blower, and it kind of Uh-oh. blew up. So you got a little beaver shot on stage there. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so 
So have some fun with that for the rest of the show. Can't do that today. You just had two women get banned from um, the World Series for showing one of the baseball players their breasts. And they've been banned from every baseball stadium from now until the end of time. <laughs> that was great, by the way. I was watching that live, and I'm like, oh, is that what it, it is? Oh, okay. This ain't a Motley <laughs> Crue concert. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what, what? Was that so wrong? Yeah, isn't I mean, that covered, yeah. isn't that covered by freedom of speech or something like that? Uh, surely, you would think, America, especially at a America. baseball game. Jeez, there's got to be an amendment for that. <laughs> <laughs> Apple pie, breast, <laughs> baseball. <laughs> Track it back to um corn. How was the corn lover festival this year? I know you guys recently did that, right? Uh, yeah, we did. We had kind of a uh, truncated version of the. Corn Lovers Fiesta this year. There was a lot going on, but uh, well, we had a good time. It was uh, three days this year, as opposed to the we've been following the the format of the larger, similarly acronymed ACL Festival. Right. Ours is the Austin Corn Lovers Fiesta, and we refer to the other festival as the other ACL. But. Um, we had some good folks out. We had the Sloths and uh, Pat Todd, the Rank Outsiders from uh, Los Angeles, and we had uh, Javier Escobedo uh, with a band called The Sofo. Uh, Javier, of course, is in the Zeros and the True Believers. And, um, and then the rest of the bills were kind of more, more local, locally oriented. So... Well, let, but, uh, me touch, let me touch real quick on something. I talked to Tom on the phone the other day, and I touched on this too. And I always like to tell the listeners when we have a band on for the first time how I found out about them. And we were prepping for a show for Ghoul Town with Lyle Blackburn. And yeah, you came, yeah. Hickoids, yeah, from your neck of the woods. And Hickoids came up in a little sidebar on YouTube, and I checked it out and immediately was like, holy shit, this, this is what it's all about. And started listening to you guys. And I was telling Tom, I said, man, before I did musical osmosis, I was listening to the same 20 fucking punk albums for the last 20 years because I'm pushing 50. And doing the show has really pushed me to go out and find new music. And I'm always amazed when I run across a band like yours that's been around for 30 plus years and I hadn't heard of you prior to that. And it just seems impossible because you guys have done so much crazy and awesome <laughs> shit. Yeah. Well, it's like whenever I'm in the grocery store or I get on an airplane and people go, you must be a musician. I say, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the, well, who? And I say, nobody you've ever heard of. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, bet you they've heard, I bet you at least once someone's heard of you, right? Uh, occasionally, well, I was on this streak, so I bear like this vague resemblance to Tom Petty, okay? And so I was just getting bombarded with the Tom Petty, Tom Petty, Tom Petty, occasionally Dwight Yoke from <laughs> the grocery store, right? And then uh, I was just bitching about it online, how, come on, people, I'm not fucking Tom Petty. I mean, what would Tom Petty be doing <laughs> in the grocery store in San Antonio, you know? And so these really cute this really cute, like 19 year old girl comes up to me and she goes, you're, you're, 
And I go, I'm not. And she goes, you play in the Hickoids. And I go, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, there really you go. And then you marry oh. that fine filly. Is <laughs> no, send in a proposal? She, 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 oh, was, she right. was shopping with her mother. So, wow. uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I retract my comment. <laughs> All right, so tell us a little bit about the band, Jeff, as one of the founding members. And then, Tom, kind of tell us when you jumped on board and how that whole process came about. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I hear well, a laugh. I, got, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I started writing songs in earnest with a fellow named Jukebox, a uh, guy from West Texas in 1983. Uh, we found some other folks we rehearsed at a kind of a punk commune house for lack of a better term called the oaf house in austin it was kind of a dilapidated sorority or fraternity house and uh we played our first show in march of 1984 with uh Black Flag and the Meat Puppets in San Antonio. Oh, snap. oh man, I would have loved to be that. That's freaking incredible. Show. Oh my gosh. We went through some uh, lineup changes uh, and then solidified the lineup towards the end of 1984. Released our first album, We're in It for the Corn, on Toxic Shock Records in 1985. Uh, we started touring the West Coast and Southeastern United States. Um, Jukebox departed the band sometime in 1986, I want to say. Um, and uh, then, the, then we recorded another album called uh, Waltz Across Dress Texas as a four-piece. And... Um, we had a couple of lineup changes due to people being in jail and whatnot, but uh, <laughs> that would do. anyway. That would, yeah, whatnot. <laughs> the what, whatnot is the interesting part. But uh, but anyway, uh, and uh, we toured the United States several times uh, up until about 1990 or so, and then we were broken up until about 2000. 2006 and Davy Jones who also played on the debut album were in it for the corn uh, uh, we started writing songs again and uh, then we started playing again you know more or less um, full time for old guys with jobs you know about right right six 2007 We've probably done between 40 and 70 shows a year uh, since 2006 or 2007. And Tom, how did you jump on board? Well, uh, I'm uh, my mom's from Corpus Christi, but I'm actually from New Mexico. But uh, every band I was in, I was with pretty heavy duty ex Texas, you know, Patriots. Uh, so uh, eventually I made a sensible move and just went to Austin and I was hanging around and uh, I caught the Hickoids in a moment of total desperation. <laughs> they had a trip planned and their drummer couldn't make it. So uh, I was talking to Davey and uh, he'd seen me playing bass and you remember I did drums too. So they kind of had to take me. <laughs> but they were nice enough after we uh, got back to, uh, they don't like my drumming. 
So, but when we got back, they were nice enough to let me switch to guitar, which is kind of strange because, you know, I really played guitar worse than any, any of the other instruments. <laughs> <laughs> not, true, nice not, true. Keep, not true. Not true. Very nice enough to keep, uh, me in the, keep me in the band until I learned a couple licks. <laughs> yeah, well, that was like 2011 or 2012, wasn't it, Tom? 2011. Yeah, it's getting close to 10 years ago now or something. Yeah. Yeah. Storyteller, that's it, man. That's it, right there. That's the gold. You oh. need, need a biopic. Hey, between um '91 and 2005, like that's 15 years. What were you doing, Jeff? Were you still playing music, or are you just kind of grinding it out? Uh, I had a couple of different bands. Uh, I had a band called uh, had a band called the Dum Dum Boys. Had a band called uh, Wounded Turkey. And uh, also had a band with uh, Evan Johns. I don't know if you know who he is. He was a guitar player and singer in Danny Catton's band. Danny Catton's okay. East Coast mm-hmm. guitar player. Um, anyhow, uh, we had a band called the Gay Sportscasters. Uh, Love that name. <laughs> that is a great name right there. <laughs> and, you know, the only real musical thing about the gay sportscasters was the only concept behind the band was I just wanted to have t-shirts of Howard Cassell with a dick microphone. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you got to have a vision, that's the one to have. That's a great That's game. it. And, uh, My God. And, uh, we, we actually had our first show reviewed in Rolling Stone and, uh, and then we uh, imploded fairly quickly after that. Uh, <laughs> was and, Howard Cassell uh, still alive at that point? Yeah, I think he was. I yeah, I think he was. Ninety-eight, something like that. Yep. Um, and our actually our first T-shirt had Bryant Gumble. It had this whole gaggle of gay sportscasters. It had Dick uh, Howard Cosell, and it had Bryant Gumble. And and like two weeks after the T-shirt came out, and it was kind of crudely drawn by Davy Jones, <laughs> uh, but uh, but two weeks after the T-shirt came out was the infamous white Bronco chase. So Bryant Gumble instantly uh, became okay. Um, there you go. And, uh, uh, and then uh, I had a, another band with uh, Texacala Jones from uh, Tex and the Horseheads um, called Texacala Jones and her TJ Hookers. It was kind of like Sonny and Cher <laughs> on bourbon and crack. Sounds like it. Oh, man. So I bartended and... Uh, and then I spent about five or six years doing pretty much nothing but smoking crack. And then I got sober in 2002. So. Hey, congratulations, man. Seriously. Well, well it yeah. had to be for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Let me I ask keep, you. I, oh, go ahead, Odell. I'm sorry. 
Oh no, no. I just want to. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to to play in Austin a few times and and love the city. Can you can you describe? I know most people when they they ask, you know, what's Austin like. I'm going to take it from a different angle. Since you guys were uh, were inside like the the punk scene and everything, what was that like? What was the what's the Austin punk scene like, or what was it like when you guys were growing up or in, getting involved in the music? Uh, well, uh, you know, Austin, I guess in the day was kind of the the destination in Texas if you were going to play quote unquote mm-hmm. white rock and roll. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in San Antonio and we had a punk scene here. I mean, when I was in middle school and high school, but you know, it was the same six people playing in, you know, 10 different bands and, uh, you know, about 30 onlookers. And, uh, yeah, we know what that's so, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people in this country who know what, what, what that's like. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, sure, there were some great moments, but anyway, I graduated from high school in 1982, and I moved to Austin. Uh, there was great bands around, uh, the big boys, of course, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Randy Turner and uh, Tim Kerr and uh, Chris Gates. Uh, Chris, of course, went on to play in Junkyard, um, L.A., um, you know, hair metal band. Right, right, uh, right. Yep, yep, yep. Brian uh, well, Baker yep. was in that band. Yeah, Brian Baker's in that band, as well as uh, Poison 13 in between there, who uh, their reissue came out on Sub Pop. Uh, they're kind of a Texas equivalent of the Flesh Eaters, I guess is how I would describe them. Gotcha. Uh, uh, the Dicks, of course, with Gary yep. Floyd. Um uh, uh, one of my heroes, uh, great political punk band, uh, but really, uh, you know, brought the blues to punk and um, in, a, in a true way. Uh, and uh, the Offenders, uh, legendary hardcore band, really groundbreaking band, uh, you know, and then there's... Uh, uh, you know, just lots of lesser goofy bands around. Uh, but it, it was an interesting scene. You know, I, uh, Did you feel like a square gro- Growing up in Austin, I felt like I saw the birth of all this, this, this subgenres rather than, you know, these sub- subgenres. Yeah. Was your style of music, like, was that appealing right out the gate? Or was a lot of people like, what the fuck are these dudes doing? Uh, well, you know, it wasn't LA or New York, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, being a punk in Texas at that point in time was sort of a, a dicey proposition. You know? uh, uh, yeah, I can it imagine. Was, uh, it was, uh, pretty, pretty stifled redneck culture and, um, and Austin was quite, quite a bit more liberal, which made it a kind of a magnet for the punk scene. Right. And now the music just seemed to tend towards being psychedelically more fueled, even though it didn't come out hippie, mm-hmm. it just came out demented and sludgy and bizarre and hilarious, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, certainly the people that uh, 
were playing this sort of thing, I mean, you can meet them now and you, and you know, you know, you just, you just greet a fellow, you know, right. Uh, L- LSD abuser long-term, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, you just know the second you talk to them. Right. <laughs> Man, to be in those days, when you're looking back at your career, especially with the Hickoids, is it mission accomplished? Like, are you happy with the legacy you have? Or are you where you thought you would be 30 years ago, 35 years ago when you set out on this journey? I, you know, I didn't have any expectations going into it, I guess. Uh, I'd never really thought that the punk music would be popular in the way it is. Uh, right. I, I didn't, damn sure didn't think you'd be hearing Iggy Pop and the Ramones on television commercials. Um you know, because they didn't even have Motown on commercials back then. Mm-hmm. Good point. Put it in that per- if you put it in that perspective, I mean, they just had jingles, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, nobody was nobody was after a career. You know, you just did it and you see how it went. You know, I mean, but you know, your only real goal was to was to play other places and 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 to make a couple of records, you know. Right on. All right, let's finish up yeah, with this. Man. It's our Halloween episode. I'm asking all the guests tonight to share a ghost story. You guys have any ghost stories you want to share? Uh, I, I do not, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I read Zombies, that. aliens, werewolves, anything? Uh, zombies, aliens. Glittering vampires. I have have a, I have a story, but it's so long and convoluted and dirty that I don't, you know. (laughs) You have a Reader's Digest version? Um, sure. Um, guy takes acid, is in bed with girl, sees devil. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Actually, I have a very similar story to that. And it did not end well. It was horrible. All right, fair enough, guys. <laughs> Let me thank you guys for calling in and spending a half hour on our Halloween special. Yeah, with us. thank you so much. Please tell hey, us where we can it. find you guys on the Google machine. The uh, Hickoids.com, uh, ReverbNation.com, uh, backslash Hickoids, I think. <laughs> we're on Twitter, <laughs> we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, of course, and uh, but uh, Hickoids.com and SauceTex.com, and we have a new album out, a new double live album out called All the World's a Dressing Room. Yes, and uh, nice. you, know, you brought that up. I got to say something real quick. SauceTex Records, I was looking through some of those bands, so many incredible acts. That's got to be fucking time consuming, right? It is, and it's a... It's, uh, it's a very strange inverted pyramid scheme I have working. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, keep up the fight, man, because you've got some great bands yeah. on that label. I was um, scorching through there the other day, kind of listening to everybody and checking it out. I'm glad you brought that up. Everybody needs to jump over there and check out Sostex Records. And spend some money for the love of sweet baby Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I suck it out, Motion. All right, guys. Thanks hey, for coming in. Have a happy Halloween. Hey, thanks, fellas. Same to you guys. Thanks so much for having us on. Hail Satan.
yes, our next guest is a kinetic ball of positive energy and good vibes from the California Doom Boogie Band, Death Valley Girls. The musically clairvoyant Bonnie Bloomgarden is here. Bonnie, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yes. I gotta tell you something from the deep cockles of my heart. I am so glad you're on our Halloween show. I couldn't imagine doing a Halloween episode without you. So thank you so much oh, for making time and calling so, in. That makes me so, so honored. Anytime anyone thinks of me when they see something on the news about aliens or ghosts or Halloween, it just it tickles my heart. So thank you. You definitely have that silver shamrock, happy, happy Halloween vibe to you. I dig your vibe. I can't believe you just said that. Oh, my gosh. Well, synchronicity (laughs) must be in the air. But It uh, it always is if you know where to look. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking about some of the most paranormal and unusual things that have happened to us in the last few weeks. And that song from that movie actually uh, sparked one of the most interesting things that has ever happened to our band. Um, And you have to tell us the most interesting thing that's happened to your band. Do tell. Okay, I will tell you. I will make this brief because it could take a long time. But uh, not this last tour, but the tour before, I made the mistake of uh, using a little bit of magic, which I don't usually do. And I use this magic ointment for fast luck, um, which has shamrock on it and a few other fast luck kind of uh, uh, symbols, symbology, whatever. And uh, Mm -hmm. so we start our adventure. We're just driving, driving to Texas and the van breaks down and uh, just on the side of the road. And um, about a week before we put out a video for a new song and it had basically uh, the three girls were wearing masks, singing a song, and the whole way on the drive, we were singing the Halloween song, like, eight more days till Halloween, you know, Halloween, Shamrock, <laughs> down, and then uh, on the breakdown, we're just, we we're, you know, waiting to, uh, for the nice tow truck people on the edge of Oklahoma and Texas to come pick us up, and we decided to just Google or look on YouTube for that video because we had been singing it so much. And it happens to be a video of just three masks kind of singing. We're like, oh, my God, that's so yep, yep. That's like our video. And so then uh, we asked them, hey, what's the, you know, what should we do? Like, uh, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with the van. They were like, this, it's a good thing you stopped. Uh, the closest town we can take you to is Shamrock, Texas. And we were like, wait, what? Um and so that was the truth. So we spent two days in Shamrock, Texas. And uh, when we were there, uh, we just walked around. There was not much to do. There's tons of frogs on the ground, but everything closes at nine or before. And we went to this pizza place. And this is, I can send you the photograph afterwards, but on the pizza place or across the street from the pizza place is a drawing or painting rather from I think the 20s or 30s of a girl that looks exactly like me wearing exactly what my uniform is on stage uh, with a little white dog just like I have. Uh, Holy! And, oh wow! Yeah, so I can't believe you said that. That is so strange. Uh, and yes, silver. Did you shoot any of the video there? For the music video? Uh, no, we shot the video like three weeks before. We didn't really know the video. We, we know the movie, but 
um, Halloween, or is it uh, Czech Witch movie? It's Halloween 3, Season of the Halloween Witch. Halloween 3? Okay. Yeah, Halloween 3. You know the movie, but we didn't know the, you know, hadn't seen it in a while, just knew the song. Always sing it every Halloween, but the video is like shockingly a lot like ours uh and this all Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. all just came to be at once very very alarming stuff but i guess not so alarming uh when you uh are in tune or whatever it is that we are (laughs) my dad actually bought us a ticket me and my friend jason netherton he bought us a ticket to the to season of the witch halloween three and it, there's like 20 Halloween movies now, but it's the only one that didn't have Michael Myers. It was just this weird yeah. movie about this yeah, company. Yeah, that's right. That made these yep. masks. So and and I, I guess the company was supposed to be ran by warlocks and witches or something. And then every all the kids' faces would melt and turn to insects. When they had this a silver shamrock mask on, there was some kind of fucking computer chip in it. And it would melt right. their faces and it would turn into bugs. It made no sense. had nothing to do with, like, the continuity of the Halloween <laughs> no, series. Yeah. Nope. It was nope. just bizarre. But, but it did have that wonderful song. Uh, and and that wonderful song uh, has something to do with us, I guess, <laughs> in some, some way or another. But, Obviously. wow, that's so weird. Yeah. What do you know? There you go. Synchronicity number one. <laughs> Um, Let's see how many we could get to tonight. Odell, did you okay. watch that? Kid? Did you watch that movie as a kid? Season of the Witch. Oh yeah. Oh my. See, oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was. And it was the same thing. I was like, I, I remember watching it, thinking uh, initially, you know, going going to see it. I thought it was going to be like you said, like, okay, where's Mike Mike Myers and, and the whole. And I I just remember leaving like mad. <laughs> like I remember that song. I remember I remember singing that song. Like humming that song. But I remember just yeah. leaving. Just uh, me and uh, uh, Ben Story went and saw it, Nick, and uh, just leaving like, man, what the heck was that? You know, like this is bitter <laughs> over the fact <laughs> that you know there was no appearance of him in that movie at all. <laughs> yeah. But Bonnie, I got a quick question for you. What do you? Why do you? Why do you think Halloween resonates with, like, like for me uh, as a kid? I remember certain things, and I guess it's it, it does. But why do you think it resonates with adults? too like like you get just excited for uh halloween as you would for like christmas dude i am having some crazy deja vu right now by the way Whoa, uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh um maybe we're shifting dimensions um i i think it's i think it's just it's fun and i think uh people for some reason need excuses to have fun uh which isn't wrong um but right. i think people rely on reasons to have fun and it's just a day where you get to dress up and it's spooky um, and people love things that are spooky but safe and uh, the imagery is cool. Um, yeah, and you can be whoever you want to be and you can, it's creative too. I think everyone is creative, just, you know, our lives don't really allow us to be as creative as we'd want. So it's it's a really good excuse to get out there and you know, uh, be creative, be who you want to be, maybe make something out of Elmer's glue for the first time in 20 years, whatever it is, but it's really, it's exciting and it feels good. And I think everybody's life, um, you can make something or do something creative. I mean, I'm trapped out here in the mountains of Tennessee on what I affectionately called meth mountain. 
And I was pacing the floors, picking fucking flowers off the wallpaper, ready to go Jack Nicholson shining. And I started a podcast. And in five years, I've grown it to where it is today. And I get to talk to amazing people and make friends with some of them all the time. So you can do it if you want to do it, I think. Anyone can do it. Oh, yeah. And I think, I mean, everyone, it's something that's interesting is everyone is creative. Everyone is musical. Everyone has stories. Everyone questions stuff. Everyone wants to believe in stuff. It's not like, um, it's not, it's not that unique. It's just uh, not everyone needs to do it as much every day as others. Um, You know, like not everyone needs to be in a band, but that doesn't mean, you know, music fans are more musical than most people. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's part of our nature. Um, which is wonderful. <laughs> and that's a good point, too. I'm glad you brought that up because I know I talk a lot on the air about, and I'm going to stay away from the politics, but I want to make this one point about music moving us. Um, I'm into weaponized creativity is what I call it, and I'm trying to put all the like good musical vibes out there because I think art is the last bastion against fascism. As you're out on the road and you're talking and conversing to people, as opposed to earlier this year when you talked to me, do things feel more united out there? Do things feel less uncertain? Or is there still kind of this sense of dread everywhere you go because of the political climate? Um, I mean, we've been all around this country like four times this year. And this country is huge. Every every single town is different. Um, everyone, I think, essentially wants the same things. Um, but they just want them in different ways and some people are informed differently. So I I have no judgment on why people want what they want. Some people come from places where there's only a thousand people and they've never seen anything else. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it really is just a matter of it it really, I mean, everything, it it starts at home, you know, and it starts, it's generational. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people are, uh, becoming more—I don't even know uh, what the word is—but more awoken to the ideas of like sexuality and gender, um, which is great. Uh, but I think the a lot of other things people are are dead set in their ways about, which is really not great. Um, mm. But you know, you have to just know that that's either how they're raised or they're just big jerks you know <laughs> like but among your uh, fan base are people more relaxed now like i i feel like the whole administration where it felt very kind of like oh man this is dangerous or threatening is now kind of turning into a sideshow are people more relaxed now like oh this clown's going to be out of here soon or is everybody still kind of on edge do you feel like um <laughs> it's pretty scary times it's scary times uh to be honest, like, um, particularly with, you know, weapons and such, um, it's not, it's, it's, it's almost just based on that, but I think people to people, people want to connect and that's great. Um, but whatever it is that, whatever it is that, uh, I don't know, you know, I guess, I guess this is political, I'm, but, uh, weapons and such (laughs) aren't, um, it doesn't seem like anyone's like, you know what, let's give, let's give that up. Let's, 
<laughs> let's change let's change this. We don't we don't need these types of weapons. People people really True. like those weapons. Um and and again, some places people live, uh it makes sense to have some type of protection. Um and uh so that's you know, I can't really I can't we don't we don't get political. That's my personal political thing is I do not believe in um in like certain automatic weapons i don't i don't mm-hmm. you know i i you know what i mean i, I guess i can't really talk to it because it's not it's not fair like where i'm from los angeles so to me uh when i grew up it was more of a gang thing um right and that was that was that didn't make sense but it was like oh you you said you were going to be in a gang and that, that those are that's the price you know you might pay and uh whatever else but um random acts of violence uh horrible horrible violence um it's just i was always taught that it's bad <laughs> you know so yeah um, oh. and so it's just hard for me to like i have friends that have guns and stuff and live in the country and uh or live in rural areas and uh it makes sense to me that they have that for protection um or even if they had it for fun, but um, it still, to me, is 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 just something that can take somebody's life away. And uh, you know how I feel about lives. <laughs> I'm for them. That's it. You know? <laughs> but I feel uh, like on the road, though, isn't music the great unifier? Like when you're out there, that that music has got to be connecting everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. When and that's kind of what I wanted sure. to get to the crux of. It's like I feel oh, like. I'm sorry. Like the fan We're just on base. the highway, like eight hours a day, uh, interacting with people that uh, are are not, you know, we're in their town, uh, we're in their places, so we're respectful of that. But I think they show. should all go to your show, and then everybody would be cheering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone come to our show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. Oh, speaking yeah, of people no. on the road, you guys just finished up a tour with the Distillers. That had to be fucking sublime. Oh, yeah. yeah, how was that? It was truly amazing. Mm-hmm. It was truly amazing. They're so wonderful. Um, each one of them and their crew is such great people. It was really like, uh, even beyond just it being a great, a great night for music, it really, there was lots of love all around. Um, it was wonderful. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, I want to pivot back to Halloween real quick. Because I want to, I want to try to. I know I went off on a tangent. I apologize. I want to try to keep this in the framework of Halloween stuff. Do yeah, you no, have? No, no, that's on me. I, no, whenever no. I go political, I can't shut my mouth because I'm a political animal at heart. <laughs> um, Halloween-wise, are there Halloween traditions that you have to do every year? Do you have certain traditions and rituals that you have to do? Oh. Well, I try not to limit Halloween to just now, but it's definitely way more exciting now. But um, definitely, no matter what, like, we always tour in October so we can go to all the Goodwills and Salvation Armies and such and get as many things as we possibly can. Um, nice. You know, uh, and um, it's the best time for us to find our the clothes we wear because people put it in the Halloween section. Um, we like to watch scary movies more than usual. Um, yeah, every year, just, like, definitely, like, November 1st, you better believe we're at every, like, leftover Halloween supply sale <laughs> we can possibly find. 
Sweet. Yeah, if you could see, if you could see, my room's pretty decorated Halloween. Uh, we put it, put it, put it easily. It would be, you would say it was Halloween, a uh, Halloween rock and roll uh, room for sure. Was that a big deal uh, when you were a kid? Was Halloween like a huge thing in your family when you were a kid? No, <laughs> no. I think the older I get, the the wiser I get when it comes to Halloween. The more I realize that that's my my I think my true aesthetic somehow. <laughs> mm. Sweet, yeah, sweet. I I just love it all. I love I love like skulls and skeletons and ghosts are my favorite. Um, things that light up, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's my favorite. Oh, are there any yeah. particular places that you like to go uh, around that time, or or uh, certain things you're like, okay, I don't care what we're doing, we have to do this if we're like out on the like road, like haunted or, houses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what's great is we went to Slipknot's uh, haunted house in the Des Moines. Oh, um, are you serious? That was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, yeah, that was usually. I mean, we're always on the road, and the road doesn't offer you much time to do stuff. Um, so you just have to, I, I don't know if you noticed, but, <laughs> uh, these states are pretty far apart. So you're just usually driving, but, uh, we did get to go to Slipknot's Haunted House, which is called the Slaughterhouse. It's amazing for anyone anywhere near Des Moines. I highly recommend it. Um, best haunted house I've ever been to for sure. That's gotta be insane. Cause I mean, just what they do on stage and, and also yeah. in their videos and everything. So I know the. You got to, they got to yeah, live up to that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. right. The only thing I will say is we had been preparing all day by listening to Slipknot and they weren't playing Slipknot there. So were they playing like the Smothers Brothers or Grand Funk Railroad or something? <laughs> well, how do you know? <laughs> I've got spies everywhere, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just, it was good. And it was, it, it was befitting to the scene, but really we were, we were really looking forward to like a Slipknot, uh, t- total Slipknot universe, and it was it was visually and it was amazing. Uh, it really really was so good and so scary and really fun to get. It to was go probably with. their label that stopped them from being allowed to play their music in the haunted house. I bet you their label um, fucked that up somehow. Maybe. <laughs> if I had to take I don't know. It seems like something would happen. Hey, um. Let me get let me talk about this real quick because I didn't even see this until I was kind of going back through your page. I didn't know you had a new single out that oh, came yeah. out a couple months ago, Dream yeah. Club. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, this rocks. And of course, the immediate thought, and I'm sure everybody wants to know, is there a new Death Valley Girls album in the works? There is indeed. <laughs> and yeah. Are you allowed to tell us about that? Are you allowed to talk about yes. it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me call Slipknot's uh, label. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, we've, we've just been on the road so much and not had, like, any free time. So when we saw that we had a month, we are like, oh, okay, we'll just go in and record the record. And uh, and we got some stuff recorded, and we've slowly been recording, and there will be a new record. It's just uh, our first break, actual break to, like, you know, have our minds back, I think is uh, December. So hopefully um, it'll, you know, stuff will be more worked out by then, but you'd be surprised how fast your brain turns off when you're 
um, on tour. <laughs> oh, no, I get that mm-hmm. autopilot. Totally get it, yep. So you guys shooting for summer of 2020 for the new album? Yeah, I mean, I wish it, would, I wish it could come out, like, tomorrow, but, yeah, we're that's what we're shooting for. <laughs> right on. Yeah. All right. Um, one last thing, and then we're going to get to some ghost stories. What does 2020 have in store? What's the rest of 2019 look like for Death Valley Girls? And do you have anything big planned for 2020? Any surprises for us? There's 2020 surprises. sounds so fucking futuristic, doesn't it? In the year 2020. Uh, 2020 <laughs> is going to be the biggest surprise of your life. Um, <laughs> but uh, this year, yeah, I mean, we just had, we're going, we just got back. A couple days ago, and we're leaving again on either Sunday or Monday um, until the end of November, and then uh, in December we write. January, at some point we record, and then uh, and then a bunch more surprises. <laughs> you guys playing <laughs> Halloween night, or do you have separate plans? No, well, so we put every like our our. Halloween tradition is that we play with Rocky Erickson. Um, so, uh, and he has passed. So, um, we passed on, as you know, <laughs> not passed on the show. Right. But, um, so, it just didn't, it didn't, it, it seemed like, how can you top that? Um, but, um, maybe, you know, maybe we'll get back into that next year. Uh, but it, this year, we're going to keep it, keep it cool. We played gotcha. with Rocky from the Crypt uh, on Friday. That was a pretty good Halloween. Good yeah, that's job. a good lineup. Yeah, see, I was about to ask you who you were going uh, back out with, and um, I saw that you played with uh, Rocky from the Crypt. So that, oh, yeah, they did great. And they're a San Diego band, and they uh, yes, they dressed up as um, what's it called? Uh, why why does this always happen when I'm trying to use my head? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what the Oh, Heaven's Gate. They dress up as Heaven's Gate, which is, you know, the famous space cult from San Diego. Um, yeah. I thought that was, did a brilliant job with that. Really, really knocked it out of the park. Um, and uh, fortunately, those, although it was a very sad situation, obviously a horrible one. Right. Those, those people right, involved right. in that. They were pretty yeah. happy. So I don't feel like it was, I don't think it was in poor taste, um, personally, <laughs> but um of course it of course it is and that's also a part of halloween uh yeah you know what what is poor taste halloween halloween begs us the question you know yes is Is there halloween etiquette is there a such thing as halloween yeah i i think there is some but uh uh i'd be hard-pressed to think of it right now um and you know whatever makes you feel comfortable just like every other day um you know, it's, it's up to you. Halloween's your time. You do you, you know. True believer. You do you, do you That's true it. believer. So true. All right, we're at the point of our show where we always ask the guests tonight, not always, but we are asking the guests tonight to share a ghost story <laughs> since this is our Halloween episode. And I know it's probably hard for you to just pick one, but I know you've got to have a great ghost story for us for Halloween. Well, I was just trying to think if I told you a, a ghost story last time, um, yes, you did. Remember, was it about a hotel? I thought it was about the uh, what was it? The Omen House, the Almond House. Oh, okay, okay. So if that's the one, then I mean, there, there's two of the most significant uh, 
ghost apparition type um, possession stories. We have one is the Omen House and one is Hotel Congress. I did not tell you about that one. You did not tell us the Hotel Congress. No. All right. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Hold on to your hats because this is a wild ride. Parents, send the kids out of the room. Yeah. Nobody (laughs) listens. Close your ears, everyone. Yeah. So maybe like four years ago, four years ago, I think, or so, um, we uh, went out to Texas on tour with our friend Jelly Witch, and then we came back. We came back through uh, Tucson, and uh, we didn't know. Uh, we were we were playing at Hotel Congress. We didn't know that we got um, that they give the bands rooms. So we had previously rented like a kind of crappy, sorry, motel um, beforehand, um, and uh, and then played the show. And I kind of got a migraine during the show, and so I left with uh, Larry, and we went to the motel and just like watched TV and went to sleep. And then the three girls stayed at the motel or hotel congress um and around like 2:30 or so i hear something at our door and i open up the door and it's this gigantic gray dog like a a girl like a gigantic girl dog and she was like so nice and she kept pushing me with her head to like follow her somewhere and i was like i'm not going anywhere with you dog and you know i was like what is going on this is the weirdest thing no animal has ever come to like come up to us on tour um kept trying to get me to go with her and I was like I'm not going with you but you can stay in our room so she came in and slept at the floor of my bed um and I think Larry slept through the whole thing honestly um but then the next day we met up with the girls and they all looked pretty scared like I didn't know what had happened um but Jesse uh who's our other singer at the time told me I was like what happened last night she's like the craziest thing happened at like two two thirty three like I woke up from this dream that you were telling me that there was something wrong with the kid and that she was in trouble so I woke up and I couldn't find her in the room and I walked outside of the room and I found her talking to like a maid that wasn't there and she was naked and I was like what uh and so I guess what had happened I didn't know this at the time but the the kid had become possessed and she was completely a different person for two days she became like violently ill was acting very strange like wasn't acting normal at all and we found oh, out wow. later that they had been playing with the Ouija board and there's signs at Hotel Congress that are like uh and you know like um let's say you know how some signs say we're not responsible for possessions that are lost um yep. they have signs that say like we're not responsible for possessions that occur in this hotel oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah and i mean and, and like the more we go over it the more the more bizarre the whole thing is it was just like she the kid doesn't remember any of it um at all which is is alarming um but yeah it was it was just totally terrifying and just to i have no answers for it but just to have like gone into someone's dream told them someone was in trouble and they were and then just this dog i feel like it has to all be connected but who am i to say you know um but yeah that one we're still trying to figure out (laughs) i know the hotel congress i've seen i've seen that i've seen the hotel congress on a bunch of different like paranormal type shows oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i think uh 
Dillinger maybe uh, burnt it down trying to escape custody, but he he got caught. I think it was yeah. Dillinger. I can't remember. Yeah. So he burnt it down. No one was hurt in the fire, but to my knowledge, but uh, he did get caught there. Uh, and maybe his his soul is still pretty pissed. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a hundred percent haunted. We did stay there once again. Um, not last year, but the tour before, there was like an option between playing two different cities, and we were offered like a little bit less money, but uh, to play Hotel Congress. But we were like, we should just do it and just see, like, just get to the bottom of this ghost thing. And uh, I couldn't sleep the whole night; it was too scary. Uh, and oh I did. God. I just tried to do um, what's it called, like free writing, um, and you just, you know, try and let spirits write through your hand. And I. I babbled on for like 20 pages. It was it, it's very very intense there, um, mm-hmm. like very very much so. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> Do you feel like um, the older you get, the more in tune you get to this sort of thing? Or when you were a kid, were you very kind of sensitive and in tune and saw ghosts and stuff as a child? Because I saw a lot of ghosts uh, when I was a kid. That's so cool. I want to talk to you about that later, but um, I. I didn't know what it was. Um, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, I just, I, I didn't, I really didn't know what was going on. Um, only till uh, there are names given to it that um, made it make more sense. I just thought it was, I just thought there was something wrong with me, <laughs> you know? Um, and so did, and so did the doctors. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it, it turns out that uh, it's, these things are real and, um and energy is real and everything is real and you just don't tell don't tell your doctor unless you're unless it's interfering with your life then be honest (laughs) but uh yeah i i just got in trouble for it when i was a kid and now um now i just find more people that are interested and i like to share stories with them and so no one has to feel alone like i did (laughs) well that is a beautiful thing um yeah Yeah. and then we got to get out no i did i I just, it's just funny how it's amazing. Like, cause, uh, when I was little, my dad used to tell me stories. They, uh, he's from Virginia, like Bowling Green, Virginia and okay. ghost stories down, down there were just a common thing. So it was like, yeah, yeah totally. uh, yeah, they could, you know, like his, his thing was that he remembers walking from his uncle's house back to, um, uh, his mom's and like, um, you know, there was this empty field, but it, uh, when the moonlight hit, he, he, you could see Civil War soldiers fighting, oh my like, gosh. in the field. And he yeah. said the first time he saw it, he ran home and told uh, my grandmother. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we all have seen that a bunch of times around here. Like, it was nothing. Like, it was just like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, you saw your neighbor, you know. <laughs> At this point, how can anybody deny the existence of ghosts? I it can't. It's like denying clam, climate change. I don't understand how people can even deny there's ghosts anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't really. I mean, you'd be surprised. I think, and it's interesting. Like, yeah, Virginia, the South is just uh, the South, the Midwest, a bunch of places. Almost, almost every other country, or not almost. That's ridiculous to say, but many other countries. It's just part of culture is knowing that. Um, yeah. And I think because of that, uh, a lot a, a lot of mental illness is viewed differently. I think that there's such a parameter of things that people can see and hear and experience. And in cer- certain parts of our culture here, it's 
well, that can't possibly be true. You must, you must definitely need medicine, you know. And I think right. they viewed it. That's in not a way. capitalism. Ghosts don't participate <laughs> in capitalism. They can't be real. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think I feel like, you know, just these things. The more we talk about them, the better it is. And I think people should probably view mental health a little bit differently. Um, uh, not to say that medicine isn't wonderful, um, but it's definitely not the only cure for certain things. And I think that's awesome that your grandma and mom were aware of that. Um, and mm-hmm. cause that, that, that makes a big difference. You know, <laughs> that's, that's huge. That's really cool. It definitely I, does. I commend or it definitely them. did. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but I, that's awesome. And I think hopefully people will be that way more later on. Um, one, it makes life more fun, and two, um, we shouldn't we shouldn't shun people for seeing seeing different things, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Uh, well, I'll tell you it. what. I grew up right down the street from Crybaby Bridge in Prince George's County, Maryland, where the Goat Man that his stall oh, yeah. found, and my house was built over the Potomac Indian burial ground. And oh. I mean, next time you come through Knoxville. We'll have to get together and I'll share ghost stories over a beer with you because I've got some ghost stories that'll curl your hair. Oh, I would love to hear it. I really, I, you know, the more we can connect the dots and and just uh, talk about it, the better. And uh, thank you. Thank you for believing. <laughs> thank you. Any, for uh, any chance you'll ever write a book about ghosts? Go out and like do um, some investigative reporting and write a book, put a book or memoir together? Yeah, well, I I have like um, about like 40 interviews so far, um, but I'd rather do something in, in like how you do it in like a podcast kind of way, um, just sort of just talking to people. Um, mm. But it's I mean that's we really do just go around and collect stories, and I think uh, it started more as like a um, ultra terrestrial UFO sort of thing, and just you realize there's no you can't you can't put your finger and say it is this or it is that i think just collecting people's stories of things that um that are that people still question uh you know is is the most important thing i I just don't want people to feel alone you know or like they're going crazy you know so yeah maybe maybe not a book but definitely we're definitely working on a podcast um maybe maybe expect that in 2020 Nice. Well, I'll definitely want to be a guest on that because, like I said, I've got some great ghost stories. Well, I would love for you to be a guest. Um, that would be amazing. <laughs> right um, on. All right. Well, we got to get out of here. I want to wish you a happy Halloween and thank you yes, as happy always Halloween. for calling in and making our Halloween episode special. Please tell all the ghouls and goblins out there where they can find Death Valley Girls online. At Death Valley Girls Online, <laughs> you can find us. That's, that's where I'd look, <laughs> online. That's it. Um, I just go online and yeah. type it in. I'm going to stop. At, you know, all the bands lately have been just, well, I just Google us. I'm just going to stop asking them. Our, our well, audience is savvy enough to know how to Google someone, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't you know, everyone's, everyone has opinions, but I think people know where, people look where they want to if they want it bad enough. So uh, I want them to choose what they want, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that is fair all righty bonnie happy halloween and okay. thanks again we'll happy be in touch halloween. thank you so much Have you too night. bye guys
story It's just a ghost story You're way too selfish for your own good I'm way too selfless to be understood But I loved you like no one else It's not a love story It's just a ghost story Cause I'm hearing what you say And I'm feeling what you do And the two never add up But I wish I was the ghost I know you love the most It's not a love story It's just a ghost story Man eats me up inside And keeps me up at night I give a lie Just to feel Don't make me say it Is this a dream? Cause I think I'm falling It's not a love story It's just a ghost story You'll never get it cause You'll never feel it And it pains me to the bone So I think I'm breaking Oh why, oh why, oh why Won't you touch me Already, our last guest of the evening is Creative Beauty Personify. Her music is haunting while somehow also hopeful, and her aesthetic is like peering through an artistic kaleidoscope. Let's welcome contortionist, dancer, and multi-instrumental musician, our friend Katie McKell. Katie, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. You too. Thanks for coming on. So um, Halloween <laughs> is a little bit in your wheelhouse. Do you have anything planned for Thursday? Um, I'm supposed to go to a costume contest at a, a bar, restaurant. I haven't really put together a costume yet, but uh, I'm thinking like futuristic alien fairy. So pretty much just like myself with more glitter. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Are you there feeling you like go. you're under the gun? Because you've only got about, well, less than 48 hours. You've got to put something together pretty quick, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have a whole bunch of costumes that I have been working on for my play coming out. I might wear one of those and just try really hard not to get it dirty. <laughs> kind of like a mobile nice. focus group. See how people are reacting to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about um, the Circle of Eyes because we, me and Dee, are honored to have a small part in that. I feel like we're yes. being part of something creative and beautiful. Why don't you tell Aww. the listeners about your upcoming play and also how amazing it must feel to finally see this come to fruition after all this work? Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, thank you for being a part of it, too. I'm really excited to have you guys. Um, so it's called The Circle of Eyes, and... I'm very honored that it has been chosen for New York Winterfest uh, 2020 um, for their big new musical and new play festival in New York. Um, so I have been, I live in Los Angeles, so I've been trying to put everything together here and I'm going to be flying out to New York um, to rehearse with the cast that I have cast um, in January. And it's about, um, it takes place in the future, and it's about a robot with a soul and um, who falls in love with another robot who can't love her back because he can't feel. Um, and it's it's also like a children's story that two of the leads are children. Um, and this one robot, she has a soul that was reincarnated from a past life where she was a little blind girl and she dreamed of being a pianist. So to this futuristic world, she brings all these musical dreams and uh inspirational values to this future where art and like and music and dance are kind of looked frowned upon because children are taught to only focus on math and science and technology so on achieving it's kind of a good <laughs> yes exactly yeah so there's that's the message i'm trying to convey with my story is the importance of of music and art and something real and something coming from a real human emotion um but all the music is is very kind of dark and haunting, um, but also also sweet at the same time. Um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that it it all pulls together. <laughs> I think it's coming along so far, and I I cast some amazing people, and I'm really excited. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Why not a test run in L.A.? Why jump right into Winterfest? Um, well, I had submitted it to many different theaters, also in Los Angeles, um, but the New York Winterfest was the first one to get back to me, and they, they were actually really excited about it, um, and they were like, would you be able to do this? And I, I just said yes without even thinking about it, <laughs> um, because I have to. It's, uh, you know, it's like to have your play be premiered in New York is kind of a dream, so. I said yeah. I mean, when I heard about it, I just I was like, oh, I'm just gonna audition for this, and we'll work out the details later. And I mean, you just have to go for it, right? Because you can't sit there. Yeah. I always feel like nobody on their deathbed is like, I wish I had a bigger TV or a nicer car. I feel like it's always like, I wish I took that trip to Paris or wrote the great American novel. You always regret the shit you didn't do. You don't regret. You're not like, you know, I shouldn't have ate that taco in 1997. It gave me indigestion. Like nobody's thinking about the mistakes (laughs) they made. You're always like, man, I missed these opportunities. I don't want to, I like my (laughs) weird brain is always working from my deathbed backwards. Like, how am I going to view <laughs> this awesome. on my deathbed? Yeah. Is it going to be something I'm going to be kicking my own ass if I don't do it? And then I just kind of dive in and <laughs> yeah. do it and, like, eh, I'll work out the details later. I'm a big boy. I can work out the details. <laughs> I love that. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, and I know I would regret it if I, if I said no. So I have to, yeah. So... 
So how much does this drum up the anxiety and stress level? I mean, you're headed to New York. I imagine you're going to be working with people from New York. I know you're bringing a few people yeah. out from L.A. Me and Dee are actually right. flying out from Knoxville. It's going to be this crazy <laughs> amalgamation of people coming together from different places and different backgrounds. That is a yeah. lot of cats to herd. Are you, are you feeling stressful or you it just is. is the excitement overruling that? I'm I'm trying to keep everything calm on the outside, but on the inside, I'm kind of going nuts right now. Um, but um, my my piano coach, who is like my biggest inspiration, said to me a few months ago, he said, you know what, the biggest thing here is you need to just like have fun with it and enjoy this ride because, you know, as soon as you start getting nervous and um, you know, thinking negative thoughts, you know, that's when you're not going to actually enjoy it. And like, this only happens once, like your first musical is only going to happen one time. You know, I'm sure I'll learn a lot from this experience and it'll get easier in the future. But I, mm-hmm. so the more that I am going through all this, this huge process, which is a lot, I'm just trying to like have fun with it and, and enjoy it. And so that is helping a lot. And, um, and staying organized is really a huge, important thing. <laughs> so, Which isn't always yeah. easy for creative people, right? Because they want right, to be yeah. creative. And then luckily mm-hmm. I'm very <laughs> like logical and organized in everything I do. But then again, I kind of, I kind of experience the joy of something after the fact, looking at the pictures yeah. or playing the video. Like it's hard for me to be in the moment because I am constantly yeah. like looking at all the angles and trying to make everything. I'm, I'm such a perfectionist in what I do that it's hard for yeah. me to get into the moment. And I, one of my New Year's, res, or not even a New Year's resolution, one of the things I'm working on about myself is I want to be more in the moment. Oh, that's good. I can totally relate. Yeah. So I want to touch on something else you said I heard in an interview. You said your ultimate vision for this is to be kind of Uh the circle of eyes, to be kind of a Tim Burton-esque type of animated feature. Is that how you see it in your head? And if it is, how do you translate that to real life? Um, That has always been just the way is from the beginning when I started writing it and envisioning it and, and writing the music. I'm like, this would be the perfect, like, Tim Burton style, um, dark children's musical animation film. Um, mm. And I, I still see it that way, even as I started writing the characters in more detail. I'm like, this would be so great animated, um, kind of like a Nightmare Before Christmas, kind of like a Coraline. Um, nice. And so for for New York Winterfest, I, I'm going to have all the, the costumes and makeup be very cartoon-like. Um, and very kind of dark and weird and whimsical. So I'm hoping that it gets across to the audience, like, wow, this looks like a crazy cartoon that I'm watching. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, how does that translate to real life? Um, like, is it hard to make that I, pivot from the animated vision in your head to putting players on the stage at a real life? Yeah. I, for some reason, it's not hard for me to to mix those together. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. That's a that's but, a good trait to have, actually, you, in doing yeah. stuff like that. I think that's amazing. When you see the yeah, like, especially like I, now, yeah. Yeah, I just I close my eyes and I I can see it. Um, obviously, I know people are real and it's going to be very three dimensional. But in terms of like. Even uh, when I had some people auditioning for it, they um, one girl did a very 
crazy cartoon voice with one of the songs, um, which I ended up not using, but it was a really interesting take on it. And I was thinking, oh, wow, this, this could work later for like a film version of the song. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, another thing um, I want to talk some... about, too, is in your in yeah. this interview video you sent me, you said that you were writing this. This came at a time when you felt sick and broken. And I thought that was really oh. compelling is working through it like is this the most like cathartic therapeutic type way to work through i know it is for me but do you think for most artistic yeah. people this is how you work through that stuff is by creating things of beauty and things that are creatively accessible to people oh absolutely for me it is the greatest form of therapy that i don't have to pay for that actually works <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what was going um, on in that yeah. time period that had you, like you said, so broken where this work came pouring out of you? Or was it a hard struggle and a hard process? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just growing up and having some really tough relationship issues, um, um, some health issues where I just felt so defeated, like physically and mentally at the same time, uh, which is wow. a really hard combination. Um, <laughs> and sometimes like you just, we literally don't have the strength to just, pull yourself back up and, and say, hey, you can do this. Keep going. Um, and I, I've i always been a writer. I've always kept a journal. I've always written song lyrics or done some form of writing ever since I was a little girl. Um, and I always have to remember that that writing is what helps me so much. If I can just get it out on paper, um, I feel like it's not stuck inside of me anymore. Um, but to take that to a whole nother level, to put music to it, it just feels like, oh, wow, it's it, it's like the biggest healing for me that I have in my life. Um, and it really did heal me um, in the best way I could ever. I can't even explain in words, but that's what songwriting is for me. Yeah. Kudos to you on that, because I think that takes a lot to be able to 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 struggle with something <laughs> uh, personal, physical, whatever it is, and be like, OK, yeah. the way that I'm going to deal with this is not necessarily go around it or go beneath it, but actually go through it and then write that back out again on paper or, yeah. or record it or yeah. where it's something where you have to see it again. Um, so that, that mm -hmm. takes a lot. That really does take a lot. It's true. It, it's weird that you do have to kind of experience it again. That's true. Um, but in yeah. a way, but in a way it helps. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, when you kind of are introspective about it, I think 16-year-old Katie would be thrilled where you're at today, right? I mean, you've accomplished so yeah, much, so. and you're such a force Aww. for autistic good, and you're putting Thank so you. much beauty and creativity in the world. I think 16-year-old Katie would be flabbergasted, like, hooray, I made it. I got the gold ring or whatever that means, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I never thought I would be producing a musical that I wrote. This is a huge deal for me. I'm really proud and excited for sure. <laughs> and yeah. I know we talked a little and you said you're kind of shifting away from contortion work and focusing more on your music. And I went yeah. through a transition where I was doing comedy and writing and doing politics. And I was juggling all these different chainsaws. And I felt oh, like wow. I had to whittle everything down to my first true love, which I started in music. And now that I have this singular focus, I just feel like it's uh -huh. a lot healthier for me and a more productive so i think that's a good move that's good. 
I think so too. That you find the thing that you're most passionate about or that makes you the most happy and you focus most on that. And that's a good rule to live by. <laughs> but also creative people can get into this place where they're like, there's just so much I want to do. I just can't get enough. Like sure. I want to, I want to do puppets and then get on a pogo stick and then learn how to ride a <laughs> unicycle that it's easy to get pulled or to pull yourself in a hundred different directions. And that's kind of what, yeah. once I got a platform where I could talk to different types of people and doors started opening for me back to, you know, I never say no type of thing. I, I just mm-hmm. found it hard to say no to things. And then I just kept expanding the scope of what I did until everything yeah. kind of got watered down. Cause I was doing too much. If that makes any sense. Oh, I, I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. There, a couple of years ago, I, I was saying yes to every job, like contortion or dance. Um, and honestly, I was just so burnt out and I wasn't happy because um, I didn't have the time or the energy to focus on things that I wanted to do. Um, so like the last few months, I, I've said no to a lot of jobs just because I'm trying to focus on things that I, I like. So I'm actually a lot happier. Um, but sometimes people... Mm-hmm. You, you can't please everybody, so you have to take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like art is totally dependent on the choices you make, or is it just more creative and talent-based, or is it all about choices, like people say? Um, maybe a mixture of both. Uh, um, you have to, you know, choose what you feel in your gut is right for you, um, but also, you know, it's good to take chances and do other things too. Like the more you do, I think, and the more you learn from doing other things probably helps your art. Um, at least for me, I'm, I'm glad I've done many things because I'm going to use my dance skills and my circus skills and I'm going to put all the things I know into the, my play. So I guess, I'm, you know, I don't regret anything at all. But is this kind of full circle though for you? Are you kind of like everything was leading up to this moment yeah. to going to New York and doing this play? That's exactly how I feel, actually. I, I do feel like everything was leading toward this, and I, I hope – I have no idea what's going to come of this or what, what where it's going to lead to, but <laughs> I feel like I need to do it. And I think it's going to open some kind of door for me, um, yeah. whether it's in New York or whether it's doing it again in Los Angeles. Who knows? But I'm, I'm open to it. It's exciting. I, would you relocate if New York needed you to relocate if something was going on there? Yeah, I would definitely consider it. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We'll see. yeah. <laughs> Odell, remember the days um, when we used to travel around and we could just like kind of do whatever we wanted. And now oh, like, dude, yeah. there, there's so much always going on. It's just so like to me, life is such a balancing act and it is about choices, work yeah. life um, balance, which I'm lucky. I yep. work for a company that takes work life balance very seriously. So I don't get burned out at my day job. I, I work for probably, I mean, it's definitely the best company I've ever worked for, but I mean, gotcha. it's got to be one of the best companies around. So it's just important, I think, for people. And it, it also makes me, I know me and you chat a little bit about this online. I mean, there's been people, and Odell, you could probably speak to this too, people we mm-hmm. grew up with that I've tried to include people and stuff. Oh, your favorite band's coming on the show. Call into the show and talk to them like you could co-host it with me. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I, when I was young, I used to think, like, if you started going out and doing cool stuff in the entertainment world, the reason the friendships that you had growing up dissolved is because the person that was doing the cool stuff kind of got too busy or kind of fell into a different world. 
But to me, it's mm-hmm. kind of been in the opposite. It's been people I used to know dissing themselves from me the more and more cool stuff mm-hmm. I do. So it's kind of been an oh, opposite right. experience <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird dynamic. Um it's the same way playing music, playing in a band. Um, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, the more we were taken off and, and it was at that time where a lot of our friends were either just getting married or or they were in serious relationships and it'd be like, Hey, we're playing at this huge venue that we've all wanted to play at at one point or whatever and and, and you know, a lot of times people are like, Oh man, I can't make it or uh maybe some other time or whatever and you're just like wow okay so um yeah i don't know where they you know where they are in that in their life but yeah it does affect i know my kids they get a kick out of the fact that i do a radio show and i play the music that i that i or show them artists that i've had on and they're like you know driving down the road and they'll hear a song and i'm like oh yeah they were on the show a couple weeks ago or whatever so i they actually get a kick out of it when they hear that that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, let's um, pivot here because we're asking all the guests tonight, since it's a Halloween episode, mm-hmm. to share a ghost Yay. story. What ghost story do you have for us? All right. Um, I actually have a really good one that's, that's real and happened, but you, you don't have to believe it, but it actually happened. Um, so the house that I'm living in now um, I used to live here also when I was recording my albums um, three years ago, and I actually moved back in. But we call it my my best friend and my music producer. Um, we call it the haunted house, and it is haunted. And um, I, it, this goes way back. This story about six years ago, I was um, hanging out with my friend, and we. Just, we were just having a, a drunk party night a little bit and listening to music and writing songs. And uh, we decided to make a little Ouija board and, um, Uh Oh, this if, can't if, be going anywhere. See if, good. <laughs> see if this house really had some spirits because we like, we're feeling some weird vibes and weird activity going on. Um, so we ended up contacting this spirit and, um, Okay, so <laughs> um, we we were we were really curious, like who are you and what do you look like? Um, so uh, my friend he said, how about you have the spirit sketch what he looks like and he will sketch it through your hands? And I'm like, that's really, I'm like that's crazy. This is ridiculous. Um, but I also love sketching and drawing. I'm like, oh, this would be fun. So was we'll this your first Ouija board <laughs> experience? It was for me, yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I got out the sketch pad and a, and a pencil, and I just started drawing, and I kind of just wasn't thinking. I just drew some, a, a face, and when I finished it, my friend just looked at it and, like, burst into tears, and he said, you just drew my, my birth mother who died, that looks exactly like her, like exactly. I'm like, but I've never met her. I've never seen a picture of her. There's no way I would. Did the birth mother live in that house? Uh, no, she lives in Colorado. Um, but he he looked at, and then he showed me a picture of what it looked like. And I swear to God, it was identical to his mother. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so that was the first Holy crazy cow. thing that happened. Yeah. Um, and then, 
a few months later, I'm sleeping and the alarm clock on my nightstand right next to my ear lifted up in the air and slammed down all by itself. <laughs> Holy moly. I'm not making, I'm not oh, making Oh, back, back up, back up here. Yeah. So where are you like, okay, the alarm clock, how do you, were you sleeping? How did you know it lifted up and slammed yeah, back? Yeah, I was, it was in the morning and I was kind of sleeping, but I knew I had to wake up and it was as if like this ghost is like, get up, get out of bed. And it, it really worked. I jumped up and I'm like, oh my, that was like, honestly probably the creepiest thing that happened that um, scared me the most. Oh, wow. But, yeah. That, that now, how did you know you weren't and... dreaming since you were in bed? Like what separated <laughs> it from you feeling like you were dreaming? Um, It just, it wasn't a dream. Like literally it was like, it, it had so much force to it and it was so real. Like it it really happened. <laughs> and was this one of those old clanky yeah. alarm clocks when it slams, like you could hear the bell rattling in it, or was it like a digital clock? Uh, like a digital one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so the last part of the, probably my favorite part of the story is I would, I had my keyboard in this room, um, and that's where I, I would sit and write music looking out the window. Um, and I'd usually record myself when I had new ideas come up so I would remember um, them and I was recording myself and there's several times where I saw these white like I called them little orbs or little fairies um, floating by or doing weird things in the video that I would only see when I recorded the video but this one time I was recording a song and there's this white thing and it floated up above my head and like went into my head in the video and like disappeared and when I when you zoom in on the video I still have this video I swear to god <laughs> it is the shape of a it is the shape of a little man like all in white it is like a paper cut can I find this online <laughs> no but I could probably email it if you want to look at it oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> why so haven't you is, posted it online thing. Because that seems like something everybody would want to see. You know, I did post like on Facebook a couple of times and people were like, that's just camera tricks. That's not real. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, fake but, news. <laughs> yeah. People are yeah, so skeptical. No. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you feel safe there? Do you feel like the presence is – obviously you feel like the presence is safe, right? Because you're still there. I do. I, the thing is that like it's, it's a positive fear feeling. Um it's not a negative or scary one at all. Um, right. It just feels like a, you know, like not bad. It's like a positive, like creative energy actually that I kind of like. So. So the orb <laughs> I'm kind of entering you. Yeah. What did you yeah. write something during? Like what? Why? What do you think the purpose of was that? Were you writing something at the time that it kind of entered you and gave yeah. you some kind of creative energy? Yeah, that's how it felt. Um, that's exactly how it felt. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no, that's that kind yeah. of was Bonnie. I got to share oh some God. ghost stories, here, but that kind of tops mine. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, man. <laughs> all righty. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to wrap up. We're at the nine o'clock hour. Uh, please tell all, all right. the kids out there where they can find you on the interwebs and tell us um, how people mm -hmm. can. Are, are they doing tickets yet for Winterfest? How can people get tickets for the play? 
Oh, not yet, but I will let you know as soon as they let me. They're going to put a link on their website of where they can buy tickets. I'll let you know as soon as that happens. Yeah, please, because yeah. I'll share it all over the known cosmos. Hello? 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 Yeah, do we lose Hello? you? Hello, I lost you guys. Yeah, we lost you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, about it was the ghost. Yep. <laughs> See, I believe the ghost wants me to talk to you. Maybe the ghost is mad that we're getting off the air so quickly and you haven't told <laughs> enough tales about the ghost. Have you done research yeah. on the house to find out what the history of it is? Uh, that's actually a good question. It's a really old house, uh, like built in the 20s. I don't know much about it, actually. But I know that the owner had told my friend who lived here for many years before me that Everyone who lives here goes on to do something really great with their lives. That's what she said, but she wouldn't say anything else. Um, oh, wow. That's awesome. Got to put some pep yeah. in your step, right? There you go. Yeah. Hey, I'll take that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, so, so, oh, yeah. So it's Katie McKell, K-A-T-Y, and then M-I-K-E-L-L-E um, slash music for Facebook. And same with Instagram and all that stuff. <laughs> Right, I know it's you're looking name. at what yeah. for the new album, January, February? Yes, I, I, I've been sitting with these albums and I didn't want to release anything before I had a music video, but I think I finally found a director I want to work with. So we're going to shoot it and it should be ready by January. So. Yay, I'm yeah. so excited. I can't <laughs> wait to see that. That is going to be amazing. <laughs> Yay, All right, well, you, you have a great um, Halloween. We will be in touch. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll have you lots too. more to talk about in the future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Oh, we appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you, Katie. All righty, guys. guys. Another Halloween episode under our belt. Um, Odell, yeah. are you going to be able to sleep tonight after all the ghost stories? I don't know, because I live in a house that was uh, built in 1920, so I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little concerned. Oh, you know Baltimore's <laughs> got some history. Oh yeah, well, there's some, there's some great places to go around here for ghost, uh, ghost walks and. I mean, you have Edgar Allan Poe. You have all it's all here, so it's fun. Baltimore's fun for Halloween. How many dead people do you think are just on your property? Dude, you, the craziest thing now, one of the biggest things that people are finding is tombstones in their yard. Like we've had a handful of uh, people, not necessarily on my street, but in in Hamilton, Laurelville proper, that have found these flat stones in their backyard, and they're like. And they'll just have like uh, a year on them or whatever. And people are like, yeah, those are actually tombstones that were here. Because all the writing is like washed away over the years. Yeah, but they're, they like lay flat in their backyard. So they could be cutting their grass or digging up their yard. And all of a sudden there's a, a flat stone. And they're like, was there, a t- was there a grave here? Or, And a lot of times people were saying throughout the different wars and everything that, you know, gone on. And, and just the way people did things back in the day. You know, Baltimore is an old city um that yeah you'll find those things it's amazing wow all right well we're yeah. gonna get out of here we'll be back in a couple weeks uh d are you ready to hauntily ghoulishly take us out tonight <laughs> <laughs>